Today in the Attorney Career Advice Podcast with Harrison Barnes. But if you're not competent in one thing, then you're basically going to get other law firms are going to be in control and you'll have to take what you get. And then the most people, in order to get ahead and to get jobs, you need to look like you're focused on one thing. And it's very important. Okay, so we're going to get started. So this is a resume workshop today, and it's we typically do it every quarter, so we're a little bit late this quarter doing it. But in this workshop, I'll go through a bunch of resumes that people have sent in, and we'll talk about them and what needs to be done to make them much better resumes. We'll also take questions at the end, and we'll go over some kind of fundamentals for resumes. And if you sent your resume in already, that's great. If you're on this call and you haven't sent your resume in, let me give you, I will put in, I'll just put up a where to send it during this meeting. You could send it to Jared at bcg-search, I believe. And at some point, I will take a break, and then I'll try to get additional resumes done during the call as well, because we'll try to go through as many. And typically, this can be a fairly long webinar, but sometimes it's a lot shorter. It just it depends on, I guess, the, how quickly we get through the resumes. Before we start, there's a couple rules that I wanted to just review with everyone, because these rules are very important for getting law firm jobs. We'll talk a little bit today about resumes for in-house, resume for government jobs. But one thing that most resumes make a mistake doing that ends up holding a lot of people back is having resumes that talk about multiple practice areas, people that are trying to get jobs in multiple practice areas, and then also resumes that put you on one side of divisive, social and political and other issues. The problem with having resumes that aren't necessarily focused on one, one practice area, which a lot of people to have is, but and they think that it's good to have multiple practice areas, is that most law firms hire specialists. A bankruptcy firm that even does consumer bankruptcies for $500 hires probably a little bit more than that, but hire specialists. A personal injury law firm will hire specialists. Every large AMLA 100 and 200 law firm hire specialists. Most mid-sized firms hire specialists. And so it's very important, regardless of what your resume is, if you're a practicing attorney, to have a resume focused hopefully on one practice area if you want to work in a law firm. And then the next thing that's very important is even if you're a law student, your resume needs to show a given idea that you may be more interested in one practice area than another. So what that means essentially is, for example, if you were a nurse before going to law school and then you're part of the health law society and or something along those lines, or you're on a journal in law school, if you're able to make that kind of point that it looks like you're probably going to be a healthcare attorney, then you're going to get interviews doing that. Whereas a generally focused resume, you may not. Someone that was a contractor before going to law school could do construction. There's just all, to the extent you can, you really want to look like one thing. And what's interesting about this is that th this idea of people being good at one thing and an expert in it is actually something that carries over into college admissions and to other things. So in college admissions, typically, a lot of schools like Harvard and Yale and Chicago and Stanford and all these different schools, a lot of what they do is when they're trying to decide who to bring in their class, they often will hire people that have one thing that sticks out. They obviously, most schools admit people for athletic reasons, but when you get beyond that, they're looking for experts, people that are interested in, you could be religious studies and have a bunch of stuff on their resume about that. People that are interested in, I remember when I was applying to colleges, my college counselor said that, was telling me the people that had got into Harvard the past year, one of them was an expert in bugs. And then, but most people, in order to get ahead 
and to get jobs, you need to look like you're focused on one thing. And it's very important. And then trying to get jobs in multiple practice areas is often very difficult as well. So I'll show you how that kind of works on the resume. And then the other thing that people do a lot of times is they, because of what you learn in school from professors, a lot of what is emphasized at most educational institutions, all you need to do is, there was an interesting editorial in the Wall Street Journal yesterday about Arizona State. There's obviously speakers get shut down at most universities now if they're not on uh, the right political, if they're not coming from the right political arena. Same thing happened at Stanford recently. So typically, if, if you put yourself on one side of device social and political issues, it doesn't matter if you're very liberal, it doesn't matter if you're very conservative, then you're essentially eliminating yourself from, from one type of employer and maybe half the employers, maybe three quarters of the employers, and it doesn't help you. Really, the best resumes just do these three things. They're focused on one practice area to the extent they can be. They show a pattern of being focused on a practice area. And if you're trying to get jobs in multiple practice areas, it's often going to be very difficult for you. Now, that's not to say that this isn't always the case. So if you want to go in-house many times, that skill is actually valued. But for some in-house jobs, at least in smaller corporations, but it's also very dangerous many times to do that. Okay, so we'll go to the first resume. This is, we've taken everyone's name off. So if you do send your resume, just try to take your name off. You can even change your employer if you want. It doesn't matter. It's all the same, but we'll go through that. Okay, so this person is a 2023 graduate of George Washington Law School, or is going to graduate fairly soon. The, I don't know the proper way to do this, but you can see this person is doing the Washington, D.C. inconsistently. So you just want to make sure that whatever you do, you're consistent in terms of how you're writing these things. The, one of the reasons that you have to look at your resume in such detail is this is really what attorneys are trained to do. Attorneys are trained to, to look for small errors and this sort of thing. And almost the better the attorney, the more they're going to find these small errors. So it's very important to do this. So when they see these sorts of errors, they think this person may also make similar errors on their when they are hired to do legal related things for our company, for our company or law firm. So you need to be very careful about how you're positioning things and because that, that how you're writing things, because that obviously can come back and get you if you don't really do a good job with that. Okay, so this person is a JD candidate from George Washington School of Law. They've listed here national security and cybersecurity law. I'm not really sure what that means. I don't know. Maybe I, most JD programs do not have specific things like this. So I don't know why this person would list that. They certainly may be interested in that, but I don't know that you need to call yourself a national security and cyber law major in law school just because that's not something that people normally do. So that I would maybe take a little bit of a look at why you're listing that because it's not normal on resumes. And then typically your education, you would, if you can try to put May of 2023 or whatever for your, for your graduation date. So since this has passed, when you've already graduated, you would just put something up there about that you graduated in May of 2023. And I don't know how that would, you would want to write that, but that would be where that goes and then and leave that there. Now, you start getting into other stuff here. You talk about honors and awards, and I don't know what Leadership Council on Legal Diversity is. That's something you're welcome to list on your resume, but I don't, if this is just a something that anybody can join, 
then regardless of diversity or anything, I don't know that is something that you may want to put in there. I can tell you from talking to law firms every consistently that a lot of law firms, most law firms are obviously very pro-diversity. Also, most HR departments are very pro-diversity. But at the same time, you need to be careful when you start listing different organizations on there, not because there's anything wrong with diversity, but because sometimes people get in trouble because there's not enough diversity in their firm and people they get sued and things like that happen. When you, anytime you put this kind of thing in your resume, it's not that it's a bad thing and it's actually a good thing, but it actually is a good thing for a lot of HR departments like it. But there are people that will look at your resume and be a little scared by it. Now, I'm not scared by it because it has nothing to do with my profession, but I'm telling you that sometimes if that's not a real honor and award, you should be careful. A 1L scholar, I don't know what that means. So you're often better off putting in parentheses what that stands for. Maybe you were the top. 5% of your class or something. I don't know. But whatever the 1L scholar means, that's actually very helpful. So I would put that on. And then I might say selected to one of 10 students selected to a leadership council for diversity or something. That looks good. But just joining an organization doesn't really say a lot. But you have to think about that. This is very good that you wrote a note. I don't know where that note went. If you did write this note and it went somewhere, that's great. I don't know the publication of it. And then you say supervised by a day, a Department of Justice attorney. I don't know that's necessary to put that. I would think it'd be more important. And to say you need supervision to write a, a note is not necessarily the most important thing. Being part of the blockchain law and policy is actually very good. If this is what you're trying to do, and the Association for Women in Cryptocurrency is also very good. I do want you to see here that there's a comma here. And so that's not proper to have that. So you really, everyone that has a resume, you really need to be very careful about proofreading things, about making sure you're consistent with periods and things like this, and not calling yourself a candidate because you've already graduated. Now, I realize this may be the resume you have and you're studying for the bar, but you should put down that as well. Okay, then you have other things. You have the International Law Society where you're the finance director. So that's good. And the National Security Law Association, where you're the media director, that's also good. So typically, but you have to decide, you know, what you're trying to do. Are you trying to, are you trying to be a blockchain attorney, which it looks like with a cryptocurrency and blockchain law? Are you trying to be an international attorney or security law? I don't know if this is related to securities law or if it's related to cryptocurrency, but that should also be in there as well. Now, this University of Texas at Austin is good. I love that your grade point average. And typically, if you do very well in college or law school, you want to list your GPA. The rule is for law school that you don't want to really list anything unless you did very well. Then you just put that there. A lot of people, I don't know if we'll see any resumes like this today, but a lot of people will say, I got a 3.25 or something. And that might even be very good at your law school but you would have to say what that is. And then this honors and awards, this is good, great. You can see the spacing here between student and thesis, that should be fixed. And scholarship, I don't know why there's a comma there, so there shouldn't be a comma there. One of the things that's important for everyone is to really go through and review your resume very closely for spacing, because and there are people in the career business, meaning inside of law schools, inside of law firms, uh, recruiters, then we'll catch this, but Anytime you have this sort of thing, it can, there are people that will bounce you from firms because they see it. 
And so you need to be very careful about other things like here, like you're an editor for the Daily Texan. I'm assuming that is a newspaper. So you have to be consistent in terms of italicizing things. And this is fun, the undergraduate and then the financial director. And then this obviously would be, I would say the university's oldest women's organization. I don't know. I think this would be not for singular women. It's actually going to be women. So you have to put an apostrophe there. I'm not trying to be overly critical here. I'm not trying to be overly critical with how this is with this small stuff. But a good attorney, what they do is they go through and make sure that there's no objections to this sort of thing. Not everyone does, but you need to be very careful in terms of all this stuff and really go through and make sure certain grammar rules are followed. Because if they're not, there are people that won't like that. If you want to go the London School of Economics for your summer study abroad, and that's fine too. But you know what people are trying to recognize when they look at your resume, the law firms, some of them are just hiring you because they need people, but a lot of them are trying to find um, a pattern. And what a pattern is, that means they're looking for a scent of something like what you seem interested in, what you would do, where you're likely to go, and where your interests lie. Because where the interest your resume shows makes it easier or harder for a law firm to put you in a certain practice area. So here, what I'm seeing in this particular resume is I'm seeing someone that looks like they're interested in uh, finance and then blockchain and cryptocurrency and that sort of thing. So this looks like a finance resume. This person also majored in finance. So I like this person very much for something related to finance or blockchain. And, and I think, and this is about the treasury. So there's a lot of good things going on here in terms of putting this person into a finance or cryptocurrency job. So I like that. And then of course, they worked at the Securities and Exchange Commission in the cryptocurrency currency unit. So that's good as well. But this is more litigation related. You can see here that there should be a hyphen between state and specific. Insist on COVID docs, filings, and emails for books and record violation. I don't know what that means. Mock testimony. Okay, that looks good. So this person is their second summer of law school. They worked in the SEC, which is really cool. And I like that, but it's not a law firm. You have to be careful there. I also don't know why the person would have worked in Pakistan. That seems pretty far removed. And that you can see here cross examinations would have a hyphen. But the, I mean, it's interesting, but I don't know if it's litigation related. I guess it's okay to list that and, and all this different experience. That's fine as well. When you get into kind of your summer experience, what I would like to see using more words related to finance in here because finance or securities law and going from there. And then let's see, investment banking analyst. That's actually very good that the person listed this. So that looks like they did it for two summers, which is great, meaning they probably got offers and they did good work and they have a really good finance background and horse riding and this sort of thing. So it's a good resume. I like it. And I like the listing of the languages. I think that's good. And this person should get a position. The only problem is they didn't do a summer associate position in a law firm if they want to work in the government then you should indicate if you've got an offer or that was something that could happen. And then the student honors program is actually a very prestigious thing to be part of. So that looks very good. And I like that as well. So this is a good resume. I would just, the only thing I would recommend is cleaning some of this up a little bit and just making sure that everything is perfect in terms of the punctuation. And maybe the other thing that would be interesting, I think, would be to try to really make everything read related to securities, finance, because that's the way it looks. And I think someone, a law firm, I would be very interested in that. And you typically need to clean stuff up. So 
If you were a summer associate in Pakistan, people are going to wonder why you did that. I don't know why you did that. You probably want to talk a little bit about that. And maybe you have family there. I don't know. But that's how I would recommend that. So overall, this is a pretty good resume. The, the traveling is taking a gap year. I don't know that you really want to talk about that because a gap year means pretty much that you had money to travel, you weren't working, not that big of a deal. But at the same time, you may not want to put that there. This startup, blow dry bar, I don't know if that's something you did. It's interesting, but at the same time, people are going to wonder, did you own a dry bar? Did you? So I would be a little bit careful about that. It's fun. But you could write startups and you don't have to say what the startup was. And then horse riding hunter is fun as well. Other than that, there's some things I just want to point out that there's doing well. There, there seems to be no periods after each paragraph. And so they're being consistent with that. And other than that, it's a pretty good resume. What I want to show everybody with this particular resume that's interesting is you can, you have the ability in every resume to make it look like you're focused on one thing. When you come back to those rules about being focused on one thing, this person does look pretty focused. Where I see the most focus is really where they were an investment banking analyst. I don't like this all this litigation stuff. I would try to be a little bit careful about that, talking about family law cases and all that sort of thing. This is something that's really taking you away from that. So you want people to read your resume and you immediately want them to have the scent of what you're trying to do. And anything that detracts from that will often hurt you. So you need to be very careful about that. But with Watson Scholarship, Merit, I don't know what that means, comma, awarded by IBM, something along those lines that would be helpful as well. But that's great. So this is not a bad resume. If you are taking the bar, you should probably say, if once you've taken the bar, you would want to put the bar that you took. Okay, let's see. Education and memberships, State Bar of California, State Bar of Florida. Okay, so we'll talk about that. LLM and taxation, JD from Florida and BS from Florida. Okay, that's good. Okay, so the person is currently working in camp, MN and associates. So maybe this is, we put this in there, doing insurance defense, and they've been there since 2023. And then after that, before that, they did estate planning. And before that, they did corporate. And then before that, they were document review. Okay, so this is actually a very interesting resume. And I think this person, because they're a practicing attorney, we can probably help them quite a bit. Okay, so this person, so let's talk about this. This is actually very interesting. So everything in a resume needs to give the scent that the person is focused on one thing. And if you're not focused on one thing, what happens? If you're not focused on one thing, what happens is you're not in control. You are not in control. And what happens is the employer's in control and will basically give you whatever they have. And by control, what I mean is you have, you stand for something. And because you stand for something, it's easier for the employer to put you into a box and know that you know that you're competent in one thing. And it doesn't matter what that is. It could be any practice area. But if you're not competent in one thing, then you're basically going to get other law firms are going to be in control and you'll have to take what you get. So I'll give you a couple of quick stories of the kind of thing that happens when you're not in control. When you're not in control and you start looking for a job, you can apply to insurance defense firms that pay very little money. Some of them pay 50 to 60,000, some of them pay 80, but most of them don't pay a very and you can get a job with them even if you're not focused just because they need bodies. Now not all firms are like that insurance defense. As a matter of fact, most of them aren't, but a lot of them are. 
You can get jobs working for personal injury attorneys sometimes if you're not focused. Those positions don't pay a lot because they're typically everything's on contingency and the revenue fluctuates. You can get jobs doing things like that. You can get jobs being a contract attorney. Once you're unfocused, you're really looking at things like insurance defense, contract, what else? Contract attorneys, personal injury, solo practitioners. This is actually very helpful for people. And I hope that everyone understands what I'm talking about. And I hope you do because these people, they just, a lot of these firms, not all insurance, there's some incredibly very good insurance defense firms, but most of these employers want you to be unfocused because they know that you're the only, the only job they can get. And this is very important. I hope everyone, I really want people to understand it because most people never understand this. And a lot of people go through their careers making this. You can also get, these are, these are law firm employers. Then you can, sometimes you can get unfocused jobs and companies don't pay well and so forth. So th- this is the problem when you're unfocused. What's very good about this first resume, by the way, is this person's talking about the treasury. They're talking about blockchain. They're talking about cryptocurrency. They're talking about security laws. They're, they were the finance director. The only thing that's really a little weird here, and I don't say weird in a bad way, that detracts from this message is this leadership and legal diversity. Everything else is related to the same thing. So people look at this and they think, wow, this is really good. And sometimes putting in diversity-related stuff can alienate certain people. So you have to decide if that's what you want. But again, there are law firms that, that really want people that are standing for that. So it's just, it, you have to make a decision. And then this is good, business, finance, scholarships with IBM, and just very good resume. And then just working on, oh, she worked in this Pakistan stock exchange. So that's why she was a summer associate there. If someone were to make that connection, uh, that would be very good. And I didn't make it when I originally saw it. I might, if someone can figure that out, that would be great. And then this is all securities and exchange. This, you would just say you're a summer associate and then following the job, wrote a memorandum about that or something about the stock exchange. So that's, I actually would probably put that there. And again, this is all finance, all cryptocurrency, securities, law, very good. And this is, this person is a law student. They literally just graduated and yet someone can look at their resume and put them in a box, which is great because everything they did before related to is related to finance and everything they did in law school is related to finance and their summer jobs are related to finance and they were an exceptional student and, and they majored in finance in, in college. You look at this and you're just like finance, or, you know, securities, law and finance. It's very easy to put this person in a box and not spending this. I'm spending time on this particular resume just because it's a very, it's someone that maybe they'll have a hard time getting a job now because of the market. But and really, this person, you can say that. It's, you can say that. You can look at the resume and know exactly what the person's doing. I would take off this national security and cyber security law stuff. But this is great. And again, it's a law student resume. So if you just eliminate some stuff. Now, let's go to this resume. So this resume has a lot of problems. One of the big problems is the person's talking about that they are admitted to the State Bar of California and the State Bar of Florida. And the question, if this person is applying for firms in Florida, what's going to happen is firms are going to decide, believe, and Florida firms are going to believe that this person is going to leave and move to California. No Florida law firm is going to be impressed uh, that you took the state bar. They're going to wonder why you did, what, what's going on, and it's going to immediately disqualify you from 
a lot of very smart firms that will take that as a negative thing. So there's nothing wrong. The State Bar of California is awesome. It's a, probably the hardest bar exam in the country to pass. So it's very impressive that this person passed while working full time. But that's, you just have to be very careful because if you list that, then you, that's not good. Now, something that, again, I'm not trying to be critical here, but, and I haven't even, something that is very important to a lot of people is passing the bar. They believe that passing the bar is a major achievement and should be listed first on their resume. Typically, you don't list it first. Typically, you list it at the end because it's almost, it's expected. It's not something you have to brag about on your resume. And if this person was an attorney at all these firms in Florida, then, oh, I see why this person put California on there. Okay. So regardless, you should put these at the end of the resume because what it communicates, if you put it at the bigot, what it communicates, if you put it at the beginning, again, not trying to be mean to this person, but with the beginning is that this person believes that's one of their greatest accomplishments. And, but it's really a requirement for all attorneys. It's almost presumed if you're working as an attorney anywhere that you pass the bar and that's that you pass. So you don't need to brag about that. Everyone in your position that's worked in all these law firms would be presumed to have passed the bar. Do you know the secrets to getting your dream legal job? We do. And one of the best things you can do is apply to jobs that fly under the radar. Applying to openings with very little competition means you stand a much higher chance of getting hired. But how do you find openings like that? For starters, you're not going to find them on major job boards because these jobs are usually only advertised on companies' websites and in small regional publications. That is why we created Law Crossing, the most comprehensive database of legal jobs in the world. We have a team of people constantly working to find every single legal job out there. Unlike other job boards, which only list jobs that companies pay to post, we include every legal job we can find in order to maximize your chances of finding a job. So, what are you waiting for? Head over to www.lawcrossing.com to find your dream legal job today. The bar is important how you list that. Then this person talks about how they got an LLM in taxation in 2017. So here you can see that it looks like this person graduated. When did they graduate from law school? 2015. Okay, then they got an M. So I guess that would have been the next year. So they went straight through, it looks like. And, and then when they got out of the LM, they were a document review attorney. Okay. Okay. So we'll talk about how to do that. So this person, let's see, 2010 to 2015. Okay. Then LM in 2017. Okay. So typically you don't need to write professional experience. You can just write experience. You should always look at your resume from the standpoint of how can you shorten things? How can you do things differently? There's someone that knows a resume and knows how to read resumes, but wonder why did you call yourself an attorney here, an associate? And then why did you call yourself an attorney here? And so people will wonder, is this a contract attorney or is this an associate? And you do have you do have kind of levels of prestige in a law firm. And so those levels are going to be you're going to have and this would be associate, then you have attorney and maybe contract attorney. And so the idea would be is this person an associate or contract attorney? I'm betting that the person is probably actually an associate, but I don't know. And maybe the use of this term in another place was inadvertent. 
But if you're applying for jobs as an attorney, people are going to prefer that you be an associate as opposed to, because it suggests more permanence and that sort of thing. Okay, so here this person's using these dates and they're saying 2023 to present, 2021, and then 2019 to 2021. And this is a little bit problematical because most employers would be, are going to ask the month. And if you don't have the month, then they're going to wonder, were you at a place for six months where they just don't know? And so you need to be very careful with that. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about what we were talking about earlier with this resume. And I hope everyone can understand what's going on here because it's actually very important. So this person now is a insurance defense attorney. And, uh, and that's a little bit concerning because you can see here that the person got an LLM in taxation and then majored in business administration in college. So you would think that they would be doing something with business or finance or corporate or tax or something at this point of their career. Because if you look at the first job they had, it was corporate. They were doing corporate related work and tax planning, which is great. So they got a job with this law group in Newport Beach after they graduated from the LM program and did corporate related work for a little bit of a time. And then after that job, they went and worked doing estate planning, and which is also corporate related work and trust and tax. And that's actually very good as well. And it's related to, to this. What I would recommend would be you really want to be trying to be consistent in terms of the practice area. So when I'm reading this practice area, what I'm seeing right now is I'm seeing a lot of stuff involving trust in the states. And I like that. And that is actually makes this a very strong resume in a lot of cases. And this is all trust in the states. You could make this all trust in the states. If I were to do that, and how would I do that? I would probably put this first right here and make this all about trust in the states. So you can see here, this is trust in the states. And, and you could say for, you could even say for estate planning clients or something like that, or estate planning related clients. And then you could say crafted, and that might actually be helpful to do it that way. And then here, when you're talking about this stuff, that's all trust in the states. I don't like this insurance defense. It needs to come off. I would keep it off because you want someone to look at your resume and think this person's a trust in the state's attorney. And that's all you need. You have essentially four years of trust in the state's experience, and it probably doesn't make sense to have a lot of other stuff related to that. Because what you're doing when you do that is you're giving people the impression that you, you do other things unrelated to that. And maybe you're having a hard time holding down estate planning document jobs. I don't know. But you have to be very careful because your number one task with a resume, if you want to work in a law firm, is to, to really make the employer believe that you're focused on one thing and that and by being focused, you're, you're going to be a good hire because you know what you want to do. You have experience in that. And just this, if you were just to do Dunlap Moore and the Jeffrey Verdon and Associate, that, that's actually very good because you also have the LLM and taxation. Now, the rule, by the way, or the rule for, for listing your education is you typically put it last after you get after five years. And some people, if they didn't go to a top law school, meaning, I don't know, top 50, whatever, will put it at the end of the resume after a year or two. It depends on you. But the rule is five years. So this is just a rule that's always, I don't, it's always been a rule. 
And so you would probably put it landing it. Okay. Put it like that. So that's important for everyone to understand. If you start, and this is what most employers understand, but that's the rule. If it was me, I would put education at the end. So you move that to the end and, and then, and do it like that. And then put your experience first and then just do it like that. You could also take out attorney if you wanted to. It doesn't, and not put anything because it's going to be assumed that you're doing legal type work there. But then I would just put it, put everything like this. I would start with Dunlap and I wouldn't put anything about this new position because it detracts completely from your resume. And then this document review attorney position that this person got out of law school is not what the message you want to send. The reason is because if you did that between 2018 and 19, it means you got this LEM and then you spent six months or so unemployed and law firms don't like that. And there's nothing wrong with being a contract attorney if that's something you want to do in the long run. But the problem with that is, is that it basically indicates that you couldn't get a job. And this is just what it's saying. And I'm not trying to be rude. But it's saying you couldn't get a job and took what you could get. And we're willing to work for probably for hourly rates or whatever. So it's just not the kind of thing you want to communicate. And so honestly, there's no reason to leave it there. You can... Maybe you have a sick family member you want to take care of. Who knows? But you don't want to put that there. I, I wouldn't do it. I'm not saying it's not unethical not to list it. If someone asks you, you can tell them, but and do that. And then, and then this job was in 2013 14. Let's see what happened here. Person was in school again, 2010, okay, so 2013 and 2014. Okay, so that's good. So that was like a summer associate type position. And what's nice here, is that this is all related to trust in the states. So if you take out, and then this is a publications, I don't know what this is, the Omen Year Review, that's fine. Remember here too, you have these facing issues. I would be very careful about this. And then you can see all of these air things that go along here with missing periods. I'll just show you this. Agreement mistakes, commas, and spacing issues. So just remember that the best attorneys check all this stuff when just in terms of what happens at law firms is a lot of times people will spend four or five hours writing the letter, but then they may spend 20 hours proofreading it. So if you go into it with this, I don't know if you could call yourself a legal intern or research assistant. If possible, I would just say summer associate or something along those lines. And if you can, and you can call the firm and ask them if you can say, you know, you were a summer associate, because it sounds like that was maybe if you were doing that full time or in the summers, I don't know, but that looks good. And then here, everything looks tax related, and it also looks related to finance if you remove all this stuff. So this resume, this corrected version would get interviews and would get jobs through a recruiting firm even. And I don't say that in a negative way, but I said there is demand for people like this that have a focus on estate planning, that the person did all this, all of a sudden, they would be extremely marketable, whereas before they weren't. No one cares. I don't know if Florida a and I'm assuming it's a great law school, but a good law school, but you and University of Miami is obviously a very good law school, but you definitely want to list this stuff at the end. So this is honestly for everyone, this is the most important thing that when you go through your resume, you have to be able to see that this person does one thing, and then you also have to be careful about anything that you do that telegraphs weakness. So 
putting this at the top makes it look like you think this is the most important thing. So that needs to be removed. Then using this, these titles, it telegraphs weakness. So you have to be careful with that. If there's a way to avoid it, that's important. Talking about things that have nothing to do with your current practice area, telegraphs weakness. Talking about other things that are related to writing and memos and things, telegraph weakness, because it's not related to your practice area. Talking about how you were a contract attorney, telegraphs weakness, and then threat and calling yourself a legal research assistant if you were, if you're not sort of a summer associate, telegraphs weakness. And then listing this first is not that big of a deal. So this actually right now is a very good resume. If you remove this stuff, this person could get trust in the state's jobs all day if they were focused on it. It's also a good resume that shows the person could probably also be a, be a very good, have a solo petitioner type position or something. And that changes things quite a bit. I'm going to grab something because I'm getting cotton mouth from talking so much. I'm just going to grab a soda. But I'll be back in 30 seconds. And I just went down the hall and Jared said that we received three more resumes. So yeah, that's great. So you can, if you do want to send more, you can go Jared and BCG-search. If you log down to the call a little later, and I'll also try to review the resume. This particular resume is becomes Trust in Estates, which is very marketable. And this person will get jobs and probably knows what they're doing if they do all trust in the states. And I'll tell you a little bit about, like, I talk about focus and send of the person does one thing. And if you're focused on one thing, you're in control. So all I do at BCG and all I've been doing for 24 years or something like that is law firm placements. That's all I do. It's the only thing I understand. I don't, I know a lot of things, but I understand this very well. The longer I do it, the more I learn, the better I get at it, the more effective I am with all this sort of stuff. Whereas most people in my business do a lot of different things. And most attorneys that do the best are very focused. And so you need to be focused. And this is this resume now says trust in the states, which is very good and, and very helpful in terms of getting hired. This person should get hired. I don't really see any reason why with these changes, this person can't get lots of jobs and trust in the states. There are lots of them. And the only other thing I said is the State Bar of California. I guess it's probably okay to list since the person worked in California, but there has to be some sort of explanation of why they went to California as opposed to where they are. Sometimes as well, if you have a solo practitioner or something on your resume, it's actually okay. Uh, but what you can also do is you can say that this person was a former partner at a big firm or something and just give law firms a little bit of indication of who this person is. The rule is with, with legal employers, the more law firms know big employers, which are your AMLAW firms and et cetera, and maybe your, your awesome boutiques, but most of the time they don't know smaller employers. So if you work for a smaller employer, then you need to say something about it. This person could say, I don't know what Dunlap Morin is, but you could say, this is the largest estate planning firm in Sarasota. You could say, this is the, this is one of the, he does, Jeffrey does uh, some of the highest net worth people. You could talk in Newport Beach, handling estates of up to $500 million or something along those lines to make the employer sound good. So if the employer is not well known, then you need to say something about it to make it sound awesome. 
And this is something that I always do for my candidates. I'll just tell you, I had, I remember once I had a candidate in Boise, Idaho, which now is a very cool place to live and people from California and stuff from all over the country are moving there. But years ago, like 20 years ago, no one knew the firms there. No one knew anything about them. And I remember I had a candidate from Boise, Idaho, and I initially sent him out to firms and there was just crickets. No one was interested in him. There was no response. And I had to call and we were like, well, boy, why would you be interested in California? And then I researched his firm and I said, this is the largest firm in Boise. They have a, I think the guy was a real estate attorney. They have 17 attorneys doing real estate. They're the most prestigious. Everybody from the firm went to top 20 law schools. And all of a sudden this firm, I don't think there were 17 people in the real estate practice. I think it was more like five, but whatever it was, I was able to really make it sound great. And then all of a sudden, this attorney started getting all these interviews. You got an interview with Latham. You got an interview at Brobeck, which is no longer in existence. You got an interview at, I don't know, I think what, big firms, like a lot of really good firms and ended up taking a position at Brobeck, and which used to be a very well-regarded firm before it went out of business. And it went out of business, what doesn't matter why. But the point is, is, if you say something about your employer that makes it sound good, if no one knows who it is, then that makes people want to hire you more. So just because no one knows anything, and this person was applying in California about Dunlap and Moran. No one knows anything about Jeffrey Verdon. But if you say something about that, that's going to help you quite a bit. Do you want to grow your legal career? A lateral move might be the right choice to get you on track for your career goals. Working with a legal placement firm like BCG Attorney Search can open doors for you and help you live the life you dream of. If you're looking for a new legal job, send us your resume so we can help. Visit www.bcgsearch.com and click on Submit Resume to be paired with one of our legal placement professionals who will work tirelessly on your behalf to get you your dream legal job. Submit your resume to www.bcgsearch.com to get started today. Okay, so this person, this is another interesting resume. I'm gonna, I don't think this is probably the right information, but I'm going to take it off because I'm sure we changed it, but I'm going to do that. Okay. Okay. So another thing, let's talk about this resume. So this person's a discovery attorney, contract attorney, quality control attorney, case lead, contract attorney, contract attorney, special counsel, legal assistant. Wow. Okay. So this particular resume is actually a very good resume for doing certain types of work. It's very good. If the person wants to be do e-discovery, if they want to do a contract attorney work, it's very good because of the level of experience. But one of the things that I would recommend to this person is it's going to be very difficult for this person to get a position in anything other than doing contract-related work or a discovery-related work. If it was me, I would, and again, be putting professional. The reason you don't want to put uh, professional that is because you can shorten it to be just experience. And so you don't need to do that. Now, let me tell you what's wrong with this resume and how to fix it. What's wrong in this resume is this person had a position for four months, then they had a position for two months, then they had a position for one year, then they had a position for, I don't know, what is this, four months, then they had another position for four months, then they had another position for four months. Then they had another position for two years, okay, which is actually good. And then, then they worked at this just incredible law firm, which is one of the best firms in the world, Corbass, Wayne & Morris, of litigation legal system, which actually isn't bad. And then they put their education 
at the end like this. So that's University of Michigan Law School. Wow, that's awesome. Okay, so this person essentially is an e-discovery. You can call themselves an e-discovery attorney or discovery attorney. And if they do that, they will get jobs. But the problem with all this is, and they can get lots of jobs doing e-discovery. There are jobs doing this that pay hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. So the person could do very well if they concentrated on that. And, and, and so that's very good. And if they do that, and, and it looks like they're doing a lot of patent litigation. We'll talk about that in a moment, why that looks very good. They're doing patent litigation. They're doing patent litigation right here. They're doing, and I'm just showing you why this is good. They're doing here, they're doing a broad array of civil litigation, which isn't as good. And then they're doing Lanham Act trademark litigation. That's great. So that's good. Let me see here. And then they're doing biotechnology related stuff here. So that's good. So they, they have that. That's good. So this is all opioid litigation. Great. And then Hatch Waxman, I guess I'm assuming that that is related to that. Doesn't look at first glance like a good resume. It looks like there's a lot of problems with it. But in reality, it's not. In reality, it's a very good resume for someone that wants to do e-discovery or contract-related work in the biotechnology-related field. And if they go into interviews and they say that they want to do that, this person can actually do very well. But there's a problem. The problem with this resume is the person has had all these short-term jobs. The reason they've had all the short-term jobs, these are actually for big firms. Finnegan Henderson is an IP firm. That's a very good firm. Then what is this other firm? Loeb and Loeb, same thing. So they may be doing that. So that's a good firm for that. And then Fish and Richardson is a good firm. So what I would recommend doing to this person to make this a very strong resume is instead of listing all of these different companies that they work for, because here it looks like maybe the person didn't do a good job for law counsel. Maybe they didn't do a good job for inspired review. Maybe they didn't do a good job for special counsel. Maybe they didn't do, they've had all these different companies they've worked for and for different firms. And so the best way of doing this is really to say something along the lines of just contract discovery between, it looks like, was it 2019 or 2017? 2017 and, was it 2021? Discovery specialist or something along the specialists in, uh, in IP-related related litigation. So that actually is what the person does. And it's actually very good. And here you probably would just take all this off. You don't want to say that it's going to hurt this person. And then you make them into a discovery related specialist. And then you would put these dates. I guess you put it up here, whatever the month is. I don't know what that is. Starts in August of 2016. Okay. So August of 2016, 2016 to October 2021. There's a person is, and by the way, these recordings of this will, after that, will go live. It's, but, and I guess this would be, you could basically do something like that. And then top, and you, you could just say um, several top IP firms. And then you would just say discovery specialist in IP related litigation, like that. And then, and then you could put a few lines in terms of what you did. So you would say, where have worked for, or, and then you would say, globe, globe. I know it's not spelled that way. Finnegan Henderson, the other firms here, there's a bunch of them. Anyways, you would say something along those lines. And then in addition, and then you would say the firms and then Fish and Richardson. 
and you would name the firms working on discovery specialist and and you could just say an attorney in IP related litigation. So you don't have to say contract attorney, you can just say attorney, which is just better than saying that. And then you would talk about with bullet points of the type of work you did. That would be something along the lines of just taking working on things like FTC requests and acquisition. So you would just basically put together maybe five or six bullet points related to that. And then you would have, that would be very short and it would do that. And then here, your special counsel. Special counsel is a position that's typically given to, or something along those lines, special counsel typically is a position that goes to other types of related people. I don't think you need to list your legal assistant. 2006, that's not going to help you. And then this going to Michigan Law School is great. Going to Columbia is great. But again, you probably want to take off anything unrelated to patent-related litigation, but in any patent IP, even this is probably not necessary. And then this is great, the summary. So the, all of a sudden, you take something that was all over the map and you make it very good. And then patent-related, patent and IP-related, related discovery, et cetera. So what happens when you make these changes is this person becomes, instead of a contract attorney who's all over the map, and looks like they went to these great schools and got all these LLMs, all of a sudden, this person looks like that they're really freaking serious about doing IP-related litigation. So then they become an IP discovery specialist or something along those lines. Again, I don't know how this person wants to portray themselves, IP-related discovery specialist with a background, a science background, and IP longstanding interest in science. And then this resume with these changes will actually get a lot of respect. We'll get a lot of respect in the market because this person has really is making themselves look awesome. And they are awesome. It's not what it was before. It's very good. It makes them look focused. And you would want to hire this person. And then you have your bunch of bullet points here. And then once you do that and you make them focused, you could just say experience in, you would say experienced in. And then you would maybe, you could even name the cases if you wanted to that you were involved in, or you could just have bullet points for the stuff related to what you've done. So you just need to make this look very, very good. This, now you have a consistent employment and you're constantly doing the same sort of thing. And you go into law firms and you say, I'm interested in IP-related litigation. I love discovery. It's fun for me. And, and you look like an expert in that. And making these changes makes this into a very good resume. And this person becomes an IP-related discovery specialist. And they can go into firms and sell themselves on that very well. Now, a lot of people are very proud of where they live. And I'd like to list addresses on their resume. That can create problems because in a lot of areas of Los Angeles, living in a certain area connotes certain things. It could connote you're very wealthy. It could connote you're an ethnic group. It could connote all sorts of things. A lot of times I just recommend leaving that off. I don't think that's something that you really want to leave on there. But this, and I don't recommend it, even if you think I live in a great area, that's really cool. Or you just, it's just, you want to be, you want people to look at you that way. But this resume could be vastly improved. This way, by not listing all these things, the problem with all these dates on any resume is it looks like you're not doing a good job or you, you don't like you. Maybe you have problems with people or maybe you don't. I don't know. Or who knows? But 
you don't need to list that. And this is good that you had a job for two years with a law firm. And it's also very good that you focused on this stuff. This resume all of a sudden could be much better. And that you could even take off this because you're, and you could say current from, I don't know, you could put all these bullet points and you could say currently working at Tannaholst and Associates and list that. So I really like this resume now and it's very strong. Whereas before this looked like just a, a contract attorney all over the map that couldn't commit to a job and all sorts of things. This would make this a very employable resume the way it is now and much better. I also wanted to say that I know people may have questions while I'm going through this, and I will also take questions at the end of this. Now, let me see why this resume isn't properly formatted. That's not good. I'm sorry about this. I don't know what happened here. Okay. This is, this looks like it's just, let me just push this over. Okay. So this is the next resume. And I do like this, this resume much better. I think this is a very good resume now. And this person should get a lot of jobs in that specialty. So let's go to the next one. And this is obviously these platforms are very important also for, for discovery attorneys. Okay. So let's go to this next resume. Juris Doctor 97, Master of Science from the MIT. Wow. All right. That's pretty awesome. Okay. This stuff, again, the rule is with schools that after five years, they go at the end. Years they go at the end and not the beginning. So the reason, so a lot of times people that went to really good schools like MIT and they want people to see that right away because they're very proud of it. But honestly, it's, it doesn't help you. You want to list that at the end. This person is, has an interesting conundrum here because they're older, which is okay. But this looks like they're probably in their late 50s. Sometimes people want to put that in there. Sometimes they don't. This person's talking about their bar admissions right at the top. Then they're talking about their skills, and I don't know why this is all mixed up, but we'll talk about this in a little bit. Again, bar admissions, a lot of times you don't need to say anything about them because if you've worked in a law firm, that's very good. This person is very active, which I like. I do want to talk a little bit about putting fitness-related activities on your resume. It's actually very good because in law firms like that, the reason, because in, in other employers is because if you're fit, the presumption is you're vital, have a lot of energy and you're interested in working. So fitness related activities are good to put on your resume and people that put a lot of fitness related stuff typically do get more interviews and offers. So it's good to put that on. That's all the time we have for this edition of the show. If you are an attorney looking for a change, head on to bcgsearch.com. 